The first reading is from the prophet Isaiah. To the people who return to Jerusalem after the exile, the prophet proclaims that God's salvation will fully come to pass. Jerusalem will become a shining light to the nations, and righteousness and praise will spring up as surely as the earth puts forth vegetation. A reading from Isaiah, the 61st chapter. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its shoots, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all nations. For Zion's sake I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest, until her vindication shines out like the dawn, and her salvation like a burning torch. The nation shall see your vindication, and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. The word of the Lord. The psalm for the day is read responsibly. Psalm 148. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise God in the heights. Praise the Lord, all the angels. Sing praise, all your hosts of heaven. Praise the Lord, sun and moon. Sing praise, all you shining stars. Praise the Lord, heaven and heavens, and your waters above. Let them praise the name of the Lord, who commanded, and they were created. Who made his stand fast forever and ever, giving them the law that shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you sea monsters and all deeps. Fire and hail, snow and fog, tempestuous wind, doing God's will. Mountains and all hills, fruit trees, and all cedars, wild beasts and all cattle, creeping things and flying birds, sovereigns of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the world, young men and maidens, old and young together. Let them praise the name of the Lord, whose name only is exalted, whose splendor is over earth and heaven, raised up strength for the people and praise for all faithful servants, the children of Israel, a people who are near the Lord. Hallelujah. The second reading is from Galatians. Paul seeks to show the Galatians that the purpose of Christ's birth was to liberate us from the law's condemnation so that we would be fully adopted into God's family as beloved children. A reading from Galatians chapter 7, chapter 4. When the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, 
so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you who are no longer, you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. The word of the Lord. to receive the gospel. The Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. When the time had come for their purification according to the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory for your people, Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At the moment she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. pastor uh, at the children's sermon asked 
the children. Why Joseph and Mary took Jesus with them to Jerusalem. One small child replied, they couldn't get a babysitter? <laughs> you know, I should have a children's message since we have some children here today. And I'm not going to have you come up. But have you ever noticed like uh, what we call the pyramids? These cloth hanging things. And they have little messages of what we are worshiping at the time. We're worshiping Christmas. So what, what is that? Do you know what that is? It's the star, right? The star that guided the sages, the wise men. Here they are worshiping. So there's uh, where Mary and Joseph and the baby were. We also, they're behind the poinsettias. We have Silent Night. There's a star. If you look over on this side, there's a little, uh, little village. Do you know what that village is? Bethlehem, right? Where Jesus was born. My own pyramids. It says, God with us. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. That means that God became human in the baby Jesus. And joy. And what are these things, do you think? Those are trumpets. Trumpets are joyful instruments. Uh, they are used to announce a good time. You know, when we have Christmas, we have trumpets. At Easter, we have trumpets play. So Christmas is a time to celebrate that God has become a baby. So Luke, the Gospel of Luke, remember we have four different Gospels. And these four different Gospels are different. They have the same message, which is actually the center is the cross, the death and resurrection of Jesus. But Luke's special emphasis, each Gospel has a special emphasis. Luke's emphasis is the universality that all, that the gospel is for all. Our psalm today, I love that psalm. It's like, you know, everything in the universe worships God, even stars, heavenly bodies, universes worship God, little kids worship God, men and women together, animals, even creeping things, snakes, snakes worship God. The universality of God that God is for all. And Luke's special emphasis is that. One of the other special emphasis of Luke is this continuum from God's promise to Israel, the creation, God's choosing of Israel and giving them the covenant, that that continues through Jesus and our beliefs into going out to all the world, but it starts with the promise of God to his people Israel. That's where it starts. See, a lot of Christians got off track early on and started thinking, you know what? Judaism is inferior, and, and you know, God, you know, Christianity is, Jesus is the beginning, and, uh, you know, all that other, the Old Testament is kind of corrupt. And that's not right. 
Luke is intent on saying, no, this is a continuum from the promise that God made to Israel, the, the covenant, we, we call it, which is a promise or a contract. God made to Israel continues through Jesus and is fulfilled in Jesus. The law is fulfilled in Jesus. This does not mean that the law goes away, but instead that the, the, uh, the covenant, the promise, is fulfilled in Jesus himself. And uh, so anything we do is a response, is a grateful response because Jesus has made us right in the eyes of God. The divine became human so that human, the human, can become divine. That's what happens in Jesus. Luke talks about this. It tells the story fulfilling the law that Mary and Joseph and Jesus, they were Jewish, and they had to fulfill the law. They obeyed the law of Jesus. Now, the apostle Paul says in Galatians, we don't have to fulfill the law as far as things like circumcision. Can't go to the temple anymore and offer sacrifices. Jesus has become our sacrifice. But that Jesus was Jewish and they fulfilled all the rituals. They fulfilled the law. So what happens today? Mary and Joseph go to Jerusalem for Mary's purification I know, folks, this is like a you know, patriarchal thing, right? That women, after they gave birth, had to be purified, okay? And they also go to dedicate the firstborn male to God because everything, the firstborn everything, belonged to God. So they were fulfilling the Jewish law in every way. We must not forget, like the Apostle Paul says, we are heirs of that covenant. The covenant to God's people doesn't go away. It's fulfilled and continued. There is a continuum through Jesus Christ. And Luke is telling that. Luke also tells about these older people, uh, Simeon and Anna. Simeon apparently is moved by the Holy Spirit. I don't know if some of you might remember when we used to sing the Nunc Dimittis. Lord, now you let your servant go in peace. That's actually, if I had my wits about uh, me, we would have, I would have inserted that in the liturgy today. It's an ancient part of the liturgy. Uh, Simeon is saying, this is it. This is the Messiah. This is what I've been waiting my whole life for. And now God is saying, I can, I can go away. I can, I can die now because I have seen the salvation of the Lord. Salvation, that's what Isaiah talks about. That this people that have been tormented, that have been taken into captivity, God's people Israel, by their own fault, have been taken into captivity into captivity, but God will do a new thing in Jesus. Jesus, by the way, come, is the Greek from the, from, uh, the Hebrew would be Joshua or Yahshua 
which means God saves. So Jesus' very name means God saves. God's salvation is present in Jesus Christ. So, what about rituals? We, we are, a, we're, as a culture, we're kind of non-ritual, you know, because rituals seem mysterious and unexplainable. There's something about rituals that hmm, it doesn't quite fit in our, our mentality because we are enlightenment people, aren't we? We are enlightenment people. We trust reason. We long for reason and logic. We, uh, we have amazing science, medical science, that has brought us so far. We understand so many things. We can explain so many things. And there's nothing wrong with that. But to put all our eggs in one basket, in the, in the basket of ration, you know, being rational, reasonable, logic, we miss something. And rituals are a way for us to get beyond, beyond that uh, enlightenment mentality. So Mary and Joseph fulfill these rituals. Now, we don't need to do the Jewish rituals, okay? There are sometimes... Part, parts of the church get off. I often read about this, that, that there are some Christians who want to try to go back and fulfill the law. You know, actually, you know, the, there are 613 laws in, the, in the, the first five books of the Bible. And it's like, let's go back and try to fulfill those. It's like the Apostle Paul says to the Galatians, the Galatians are about, we, you know, we're, we're trying we need to become Jewish before we can become Christian. And the Apostle Paul is really angry. He says, you have lost it because Jesus Christ fulfills the law. And we don't have to get into circumcision, but that was one of the things, you know. Christians are not about circumcision, but Christians are about baptism. Christians are not about dedication. That's another thing that churches get off. You know, uh, some churches don't want to baptize infants because how, how can that work? That doesn't make any sense. Uh, to be baptized, you have to make your commitment and you have to have, you know, some kind of cognitive uh, ability to do that. You have to commit yourself to Jesus. It's like, no, baptism is a commitment of God to us beyond our understanding, beyond our rationality, something that we cannot explain fully, but something that has been done since the time of the apostles, since the time of Jesus. Next week, we will celebrate the baptism of our Lord, and we'll talk more about baptism. But rituals are important. Faith takes us beyond our ability to reason. I hate to say it, but it's true. There's something beyond our amazing intelligence. There's something beyond our enlightenment and sensibility. And faith is, is there beyond it. It's something 
It's a mystery. It's something we don't completely understand. So baptism is a sign for us, even infants, even infants, that God's divine blessing somehow comes to us. That is the incarnation, what we're celebrating. The whole idea that God could become human, that God's divine presence could become human in Jesus Christ, in a little baby. So can't we trust that through the power of the Holy Spirit that God's divine favor could come to us not because of our deserving through baptism. The same is our other ritual, his Holy Communion, right? Again, how can common things like bread and wine, how could those things have divine power? But that's what we believe as a Lutheran Catholic Christians, that God's divine presence comes into us. Just a little piece of bread, a little sip of wine, that God is with us. The power of the incarnation that made God present in Jesus Christ, that same power makes bread and wine Jesus' very presence through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's something that we can't explain. It's something that we accept by faith. So I invite you to come and be part of this Christmas miracle, the incarnation, by receiving this sacrament, Jesus' very body and blood in common bread and wine, to celebrate that God has overcome the power of death and the power of evil and the power of sin for all time. Come, enjoy this meal. Amen. This next hymn is um, a favorite of mine. It's new. And it was the, the tune was written by Paul Mons, who was uh, an amazing organist. He was a, a Lutheran musician. I had the privilege in his uh, older age to, he was at the seminary teaching and uh, playing music. Uh, so I had, I had the privilege of meeting him and the words are by Yaroslav Vida, who is an amazing uh, poet, also Lutheran. So I hope you'll enjoy uh, learning this hymn if you have not learned it already. Would you please stand if you are able?